Welcome back to The Human Exception. I know we promised you Lady Pirates this week, but we had a bit of a change in schedule. So instead, we're going all the way back to 2001 with our guest, Nate. This is the next chapter in the Gen Sega. If you are unfamiliar or have forgotten what this is about, we do have a handy guide on our website, thehumanexception.com. Nate knew Jen before State College, before Jack, before the FF7 house, and is here to provide some unique insight into her background and roots. As always, expect foul language, but also some mentions of self-harm and suicide. Let's get ready for another human exception. there nate this is nate <laughs> this is hi hi <laughs> for the slightest sake of clarity i'll call my nathan <laughs> to try and keep things lasting. i just i just got out of a workplace where someone retired that had been using nate and i was actually employed there first but he was older so out of respect naturally I let him have it <laughs> he just right. hoping i can take it back <laughs> it's mine all right. Well, I guess welcome to the Human Exception today. It's well myself, Nathan, but we also have a guest, Nate. Probably we're not talking mostly about here and realize that that was more than a half a lifetime ago. <laughs> and for yeah. me, when I think about all the other experiences I've heard related to, I think the people involved with all of this, uh, I feel like I was probably very lucky. Uh, in, in that it was not only very short that I was affiliated with any of them, but also that I didn't have the you know, displeasure of meeting any more of them either. So, um, but anyways, yeah, this this for me was long, long time ago. I'm glad to get get it off my chest. I've tried this before with a few other people, and uh, the guy from Vice just blew it. So I won't be talking to him again. Um, yeah. Anyways, so yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I, I don't not say I'm uncomfortable with saying who I am or anything, but I don't necessarily want any that's associated with me in a in a professional sense because I do have a little bit of a public profile. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm I will say I am in my 30s. I have uh, lived all over the country, and uh, I come from a fairly I would say very ordinary family. So. Um, compared to a lot of people where they had a lot of problems or something or all of that, like that really isn't my story. I, I'm a pretty well-adjusted person. I come from a pretty well-adjusted family. Unique to this story maybe was that I was 16 when it all started. Yeah. So Nate here is, well, I guess the earliest survivor of Jen that we've had a chance to encounter. Nate actually met her before State College before Icarus and Jack and all that. How did you guys meet? So there was a website called Eyes on Final Fantasy, and they had an, an associated, uh, you know, IRC chat room, you know, with it. 
So she was in there looking for people to role play with her in a chat room. I had just recently borrowed a copy of Final Fantasy VIII, got really into it uh, from a dorm mate of mine. Actually, it was his roommates, and he didn't like him, so he let me borrow it. He said, as long as I can get it back to him and make copies of it or whatever. So I got really into Final Fantasy VIII and decided I'd like to look for other people that like this. And so I, she was in the chat room. She was talking about Final Fantasy VII, which I hadn't played. But I was bored, and it seemed like something to do. So she kind of guided me along in that. So I, I didn't know who the characters were. And you, so you, you said you were 16 at the time? I was 16. She was, I believe, she might have either, I don't remember if she just turned 18. And this was, we met with December of 2000. I call it that. Right. So long ago now. 22 years. Well, less than that, yeah. but enough. <laughs> So you said you hadn't played Final Fantasy VII at the time when you met her. No, and, and I'll be honest, to this day, I have never completed it. I know the entire storyline and how it starts and ends. But I've never played it all the way through. Is that largely, you think, because of the association with Jen? Yeah, it was back in the day. I think I could force myself through it now. But I most of it is just because uh, I think it's... At least the older version of it looks so terrible to me, cartoonish compared <laughs> to how it looked. Trying to suffer through that, uh, you know, I, I owned it. I just didn't get into it. Um, I initially, I initially, you probably right. Initially, it was kind of ruined by by her, but I do own Final Fantasy VII Remake, Integrate, or whatever they're calling it, and I just I haven't completed that because Elden Ring was so much more interesting. <laughs> It it really takes a lot of your a lot of your time. It's, it's yeah for real. <laughs> how many how many hours do you spend on that mountainside killing that same bird over and over and over again? Uh, too many, too many. I think I put like two hundred hours into that game before I finally finished and put it down and moved on to something else. I feel like I'll probably come back to it at some point. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm about the same way by two hundred and twenty hours, something like that. Um, you guys started role playing, and were your conversations this time always just like role play, or did you guys ever talk about anything like personal for a while there? Or I don't usually get to know people just on that level. I wasn't even that familiar with role playing, to be honest. It seemed I, I live very much in the real, so to be kind of involved with someone that clearly was influenced so strongly by fantasies was interesting to me because she was a girl, and I was a boy. And she seemed like she was interested in actually talking to me. So I think that played a larger part of it. Mm. But it was I, I did. I wanted to get to know who she was. I thought that was just as important. So a lot of what we talked about or chatted about had to do with where she was from, what, she, what interested her outside of gaming kind of thing. And so it, it started out as just a lot of online chat back and forth in IRC and instant message. And she would make new instant messenger names and role play as each one of them. And that really satisfied her. And I was a lot of times just whoever she told me to be or um, just myself. She'd ask me to make something up and let's, let's role play something about that you want to come up with. I think trying to kind of get me to be more of a participant or at least more ownership of that. 
you could tell it's something that really interested her. Um, sure. it, you know, it started to mostly online and stuff, but it turned eventually into over the phone. And so we would, you know, we would chat with other people online and role play with people in a little group, either on AOL group chat or through uh, IRC. And then when we got tired of that, we would say, hey, we're done. We're going to go talk on the phone for the rest of the night. So that's what we did. Yeah. You guys weren't even living in the same state. So that would, that would have been a phone bill. <laughs> yeah. So I actually had kind of an interesting trick about that. So I, I, I'll admit it was my first, it was my, met her in the first semester of college for me, but it was most of what we, most of our association was in the second semester and, the, and then the summer afterwards. And so like that, those conversations that we had, uh, the reason I was able to get away with it was that I would walk all the way across town in the college town I was at and buy a prepaid card. There was something defective about the way their system set up the call times. And so around 2 a.m., if you had a phone call that started before 2 a.m., it wouldn't register your minutes. But you could, oh. as, as long as you started your o'clock or 10 o'clock and then talked past two to some point, um, it, it, you know, it would, you wouldn't lose any minutes. If you... Now, after that, if you hung up or something and needed to call back, which happens sometimes, uh, then it would register those minutes afterwards. So we got away with talking hours and hours and hours on. Yeah, and Jen loves staying up really late, so that's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah, no, she yeah, she that was interesting to me is that she was I was still going to school. She had all the time in the world to just talk and talk and talk and talk, and I found that really interesting because then she would just go to sleep, and I would you know go to school, come back the next night, and there she was ready for the same kind of stuff all over again. Point did it turn uh, romantic? I think it was just kind of gradual over over a period of time because I was someone that could be that for her. Uh, like someone that was there could talk to her every night because there weren't a whole lot of people that could do that. This wasn't like the cell phone era with even like the nights and weekends cell phone era. Someone that could actually call her and talk to her the big opening for her. I would say probably within like a month or so, you start to say things, you know, I love you, or I can't wait to talk to you again, you know, words of affection. I kind of flowed out from that. And to me, they seem genuine. I had nothing, any reason to suspect anything else from her, um, or for her for me even. This wasn't my first, you know, relationship-ish, but um, it was probably one of my first important ones. You can, I mean, I don't. I, I like to live mostly in the real world, so to me, there was always like, "When's the foot going to drop on this one?" Where we meet up, we don't like each other, or something like that. So it was, I don't know. I, I had I had a lot of time on my hands because of school, so it worked out well for me. Those were my nights. I had my school during my days. I get a whole lot of sleep. And was she working or anything at the time? She was. So she lived in a little town sort of halfway between Grants Pass, Oregon, and Medford. And there was this little, like a flower shop. I only went there once. We went there once when I visited later. And uh, she would, I'd call her there. She couldn't really call me from there because the people that own the place probably have seen her, you know, noticed it on their bill. So she'd always have me <laughs> call her there. But I think I actually arranged her to get that job. So, uh, she, you know, she had, I think she was a friend or something of her mom. Um, or an acquaintance or something. So, like, she actually did have a real job, which, you know, to these days sounds kind of surprising. Yeah. And so she she was living with mom at the time. Her parents split when she was quite young, right? You know, I'm not totally clear on exactly when her parents split. I would presume it was sometime 
either somewhere around the eight, probably with plus or minus two years of her turning ten, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. Um, might even have been a little bit later than that. Yeah, those details to me at this point. Oh yeah, totally fair. Um, so what did she tell you about her past before like meeting you? Well, that's funny. Uh, when I hear all these other stories that people tell about, like her father is this and her mother is this, and uh, there were a lot of times where during, especially during the daytime, like her mom would occasionally like come on the phone to say, I need to use the phone or something. Or Jen would give her mom the phone. And I would talk to her mom for a while. So <laughs> she didn't, she didn't embellish. I got the real deal story about who she was, that she had grown up in Arcadia, California. And uh, she loved going to Disneyland. She was obsessed with the Indiana Jones ride. She used to tell me that they, you know, she would go to the park so much they would let her give, you know, be a guide for people, which I don't really believe. And I really believed it even then. I thought that was like, I kind of told her like, yeah, come on, give me a break. Uh, But her dad was still down there, at least during that time. I think her dad has since moved to Oregon, but he had a place, I think it was probably still in or around um, Arcadia. But as far as her background is concerned, her mom left home, I believe it was like at the age of like 13 or 14, to be on her own wow. because she had a very situation. I think she had some abusive father and older brothers. And so, and, and this is all happening around like Hollywood, California back in the, probably the 60s or 70s. It's not like the big world we think of now it's the hollywood of those days where you might still have a celebrity sighting where you could say hi to them not nowadays where they're surrounded by bodyguards and paparazzi <laughs> all the time and so uh you know they met at i think I believe it was hollywood high school her and her parents at least so her dad uh, was a descendant of guy and his brother that ran or created and ran a set of five and dime stores down the west coast and this was something that she confirmed and her mother confirmed um, but you know the five and dime era was long over so it, by the point that i started talking to jen they were in like the process of selling some of their last real estate and i think it was all going into like the family trust at that point so it was like the, there were the cornet five and dime stores so like like a lot of families i think where you come from some of that money sort of, I, I didn't, I was never quite clear as to like, I didn't talk to her dad. I think I said hi to him once when she was visiting him briefly. And that was about it. I think he was kind of leery about her having any boyfriends or anything like that because of some of the issues they'd had with her. So, well, yeah, uh, also some anyway. strange guy from the internet. Too. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It didn't matter if I was 16. Uh, yeah. That, that's, I don't, I, I, Piece that together. So there was, I mean, I don't really want to jumble this up too much. But anyways, yeah, she, she grew up down there. So she had a relatively normal early high school life, right? Well, she well, sort of have behavior probably, issues, right? Yeah, she had, I mean, you guys have probably, you guys have talked about this before. But she, yeah, she, no, her mom told me she had behavioral issues. I, I had these really interesting conversations either when Jen was down in California visiting her dad or when she was off at work and I could talk to her mom because her mom just to clean houses for people in Medford and Grants Pass. That was like her employment. She was kind of living a little bit off. She bought the house that they lived out up there off of her divorce settlement with Jen's dad. And a uh, pretty nice house. But anyways, I from here. 
when we had these conversations, she was always very quick to tell me that Jen, you know, had some behavioral issues. She didn't want me to be surprised. They're very adult kind of conversations to have, being that I was 16 and then like later 17 to talk about this kind of stuff. And she, you know, she talked about it with me in person later on about, but she used to tell me that she really liked that I talked to her, that I was a very grounding sort of influence for Jen. I, you know, made her think of concrete goals and realistic things. And I didn't really kind of know what all of that meant until later. You know, Jen had had a very, very sort of troubled upbringing. Jen seemed, when I did talk to her about some of her past, she liked to kind of wax poetically about how fun it was to get into some of the troubles she used to get into. And one of it was you know, having sex with her boyfriend or something in the back of a limousine on the way to prom, and her boyfriend was older than her, and all this other stuff when she was a freshman. Um, and, you know, weird stories like that. Like, you could tell she had kind of a wild side to her. Going back to, she was diagnosed very early with oppositional defiant disorder, and then they, later they said it was conduct disorder, and she kept going back to all these counselors. I think some of that, you know, maybe genetic, other parts of it might be living in a household where, you know, Jen's mom used to say that Jen's dad was, Kimmer, if he was exactly physically abusive, but he definitely was verbally abusive. And those are the kind of things that Jen grew up around. It was the two of them, you know, yelling at each other and being mean to each other, all of that. I didn't realize that her dad uh, not a great partner. <laughs> Again, I, you know, I, I've met so many people since that point to not to not really know his side of that conversation. I can't comment to what yeah. really happened there. Families break up for reasons that we they're only known to the people involved, and so this was just Jen's mom's you know point of view and Jen herself too. But I mean, the thing was is that she had no problem working with Jen's dad towards print, you know, parental solutions and things. So I feel like maybe it was a lot of disagreement. Maybe it looked worse than it was because Jen was a kid. So maybe a lot of the time she went off and got into trouble or played around in Disneyland or wherever. That was her way of sort of growing up around okay. problems. Um, yeah, I was curious, you mentioned that she had behavioral issues as a child, like how much of that was triggered by her environment or just her. Just hard to say, looking back, I'm sure. No way to know. There's really no way to know. Um, but what I, the, you know, the story that rings true, and this is one that kind of is consistent with some of the other stories that you guys have been told, is that so Jen's mom told me this one. That Jen had gotten into some, I don't know, she got into trouble or they thought she was kind of headed down the wrong track. And so she had researched between her and Jen's dad into the kind of places that might be a good boot camp to send Jen. So it was one of those, you know, middle of the night kind of operations where they send a bunch of toughs to your house in a van and let's pick up your kid in the middle of the night and ship them off to some faraway location. In this case, it was uh, near Levert in Utah, a place called Cross Creek. And, uh, and Jen, she didn't speak very fondly of that. She told me like her first night there, you get in there and they forced me to take cold showers and they were really sort of, I don't say violent, but very tough with us about it. Very strict, very militaristic. It was somewhat of a school. Um, she didn't really mention, she might've mentioned a few names and things, but again, those are conversations I can't recall all the way yeah. through of people that she knew there. I, you know, I could gather from the entire process that she definitely wasn't fond of being there, but she, <laughs> the thing is really, you know, in those conversations, she understood why she was there. She knew that she was a bad 
add the seed in kind of a way. So apologize, I've got some noise in the background. Um, and then that, and that she needed that kind of behavioral adjustment. So it was weird to me to hear all these things now where she has like totally removed herself from any accountability or anything like that. Um, so for people who don't know, Cross Creek is uh, part of the WASP schools, part of the troubled teen industry, and not the good kind, kind that um, has a very long and varied history of abuse of the children in their care of various kinds, verbal, mental, sometimes even physical and sexual in some cases, depends on the school. The ones in North America, and the ones in like the U.S. tend to be a little better. The ones in Mexico and stuff are worse. A lot of them have been shut down by this point, but this is where Jen was at the time, and it's where she met Mela, who we'll talk about eventually. But that's that's spot on. I mean, I I've, I've read stories. I mean, everyone's heard of like Tranquility Bay, in Jamaica. You know, and the kids that were running out windows, and then the locals would catch them and send them back. The thing about Utah, where she was at, is it's even if it's like south of St. Joe, I'd look at a map again, but it was one of those places where you really couldn't have escaped, or if you did, you were pretty much you know, taking your life into your own hands. It was so far off from civilization. They did that I mean, intentionally. They don't want to give these kids any option, like you're kind of stuck there or else. So I think moving this on a little bit, this narrative on a little bit, she eventually turned of age. She turned 18. Her birthday's before mine in the year. And so uh, they couldn't keep her there anymore when she turned 18 because she was an adult and she could say, I don't want to be here anymore. So that's what ended up triggering her to come home. It wasn't that she had reformed or anything or had gotten better by their statistics or whatever it was, or her mom wanted her back. It's just that she said, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. And so they sent her home. And I think from you said her parents didn't realize what this school was when they sent her. Absolutely not. Yeah, her mom, she was very ashamed of it afterwards and saying, I can't believe that's the kind of conditions that she was under. I think it'd be a shock to just about any parent that your kid is more or less being held under gulag prison conditions. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like Oliver Twist or something. It wasn't that kind of stuff, but um, it, it definitely isn't. I mean, there's enough stories out there I don't have to elaborate on mm-hmm. as far as withholding food or water or putting them in locked rooms and places and small spaces like those are all kind of kind of out there so she comes back home and she goes to live with her mother her mother has since moved from california her mom both based on i think her history of abuse and just you know being fed up with california and jen's dad um tried to go for a place that was really remote and that's why she ended up in applegate oregon um I don't want to give away any addresses or anything like that. I'm sure if you guys want those, I can give those to you off. For sure. <laughs> but, um, having been there myself, it's it was a hard place to find. This is pre-Google Maps and a lot of Jeep. I couldn't afford a GPS at the time anyways. But yeah, it's it was really, really remote. It's I can't even find it now. I've tried to go there on Google Maps and Street View, and I can't find the house. It's either been torn. Did you have to use that good old MapQuest to like try and get there, and even then it was wrong? Yeah, so I mean... I, and there's probably you know, four months of story here, and not that there's a whole lot to say in there, but yeah, that it's we had to use like a map quest, and, and and when we went there, I flew into a place that was geographically close, but not not that close, and we we drove out there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, ended up going out to meet with her in the summer, 
2001. So, um, and without giving too much of me away, um, in a in a bordering state, I had some friends that were I was going to go visit, and uh, I had another friend of mine. I asked him, "Hey, would you mind like driving me out here to see her?" And I mean, obviously, I don't have a car, and not, you know, I couldn't rent one at at 17. So he was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go do it. I'll, uh, you know, and my parents told me not to do it. They knew that I had talked to this girl all the time and they kind of knew and told me not to go do it. My dad made some real big threats about things he would do to my college support if I went. Absolutely. Oh. I think they were just threats. I don't think he thought I would do it. And he never found out about it. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can do anymore. So <laughs> you should be okay. We'll tell you that the center part of Oregon is extremely remote. It's alkali flats. It's less like desert out there. I remember at one point we crossed this, there was like a pond or something and it had nothing but like a flock of dead ducks in it. Something. Jesus. So we, and we did it in the middle of the night. We drove, we, we left, I think sometime in, God, it was like six o'clock in the evening and drove straight on through. So we ended up making it to Applegate somewhere around like, um, it's like early in the morning, like 10-ish or something like that. Hmm. And so you arrive. What's What happens when you arrive? Well, we pull up this driveway, and their house is kind of on like somewhat of a steep hill. Sorry, I've got a cat in the background here. <laughs> no worries. He's going psycho over there. Anyways, uh, so we, we, we pull up, and you know she comes out to greet me. And she's about what she looked like in the photos that she'd sent me. You know, She had sent me some of the same role-playing photos that everyone's kind of familiar with now, the ones of her in a white lab coat and glasses. She didn't wear glasses. White lab coat was a gift. I had snuck some uh, test tubes from college or high school, I can't remember, and brought those to her because she wanted them for her role-playing. And I thought, okay, whatever, I'll get her a gift. And she was real happy to see us. Not me, not my friend. She didn't care about him, but, um, you know, I got to meet her mom. <laughs> Mona, very good. Very, I, don't, I have nothing against Mona. Mona is very, very kind. She just, you can tell she's got a very guarded personality. And being, I don't think she would have let me come over there had we not talked on the phone at length prior mm. to that. So it's, um, totally. I'm yeah, go ahead. I was like, I just can't imagine being a parent in that time in like the early 2000s. Your daughter's dating somebody from mine and he just shows up. <laughs> like, yeah, I think if you guys hadn't had that relationship already, it would have been a lot different and had this weird obsession beforehand because i had skipped a couple of grades growing up and she thought i was like a really smart gifted person but she would always talk about if we ever have kids someday they're going to be really really they're going to have your smarts and my this and my this and i was a biology major so i used to like listen to these things and go she's really kind of crazy a little bit in these things but i liked it <laughs> you know she doesn't really know how any of this stuff works yeah, so we go in there, and the house had like a door kind of on the. It's from the front of it. The door was kind of on like the left side of the house as I'm walking up to it. The right side of the house, there's like this weird look. It's not very big. It looks like a somebody had tried to make a small booth or something with windows in it. And I think that's where she like used to role play being a scientist with like test tubes and all that jazz and, and like a little rack and stuff in there, um, which is kind of weird, I think, for an adult girl. But we're talking about Jen here. You know, people be, be people. Um, you walk in the front door to the left. There's like some stairs that kind of go downstairs to some sort of a basement area where Jen's room was. And there's a bathroom down there. And then like as you're going through that hallway, there was like a washer dryer. 
go to the right, it kind of goes upstairs into this kind of more of a living room area. It's like a living room kitchen. The kitchen had kind of an island in it with like one of those kind of like grill tops to it. That's, I mean, she cooked us some steaks later or something like that on it. That's why I remember that so well. <laughs> um, and the windows kind of overlook kind of like down the hill. So it's beautiful. I mean, you're out in the Oregon nowhere. Then there's kind of like a porch off of that, which when we were there overnight, like you could, it was beautiful. Like the stars, there's no light pollution. Like it's a very remote place. Which, you know, I, I can always see why Mona really enjoyed it. So, um, anyway, so we, How long we had, did you end up staying there? Sorry. A, a day and a half, maybe? Two days? Okay. We had to drive back. It really wasn't that long. So the initial like part of it was total charm offensive. Like she was thrilled to have me be there. We talked a bunch. Um, she cooked us some food. Um, she, uh, her, her mom at one point wanted to talk to me aside and kind of make sure that like, reasons, I guess. She also made some reference to that. She's like, again, she said, you know, I'm, I think you're a good influence, and I'm not trying to just pat myself on the back. Like she was. She'd say, like, I think you're a pretty decent guy, especially. And I, I think she said it mostly because she knew that her daughter had issues. So she was mm-hmm. just making sure that if I was getting into anything. So that, there, her, her mom's room was kind of, it's, it's the kitchen. It was like to the right of the kitchen. There was like another bathroom, bathroom or sort of closet. And her mom's room was towards like the back of the house. Um. That's where we had our little powwow conversation briefly because she's like, let me take you aside and let me ask you some things. She made us dinner. <laughs> that was a lunch sort of thing. And then um, later we went out and had a meal and she took us to the mall over in Blue was Medford. I bought Jen this like sort of crystal angel or something like that that she wanted. Her bedroom was interesting. Um, she had a... Um, she always loved having like a, she always did tell me, she'd brag about having like this four poster bed with a canopy. She was obsessed with a four poster bed with a canopy. And in her room, and it looked like a girl's room. It had a four poster with a canopy. And, you know, pictures and things. <laughs> and she had some of like the Final Fantasy, you know, figures that she owned. I think one of them was an heiress that I had bought her and sent her one point for something. And um, she gave me like this little card that they used to give out at the Indiana Jones ride. Uh, so she wrote like her name on. I used to. I have for the longest time. I used to have it. I think I tossed it one year because I was just like just wanted to forget about all of this. So we, you know, we had our we got in there and had that whole thing. And then uh, at one point, I can't remember the time frame of this. It was after we got back from being out in Medford. Um, might it, it was either before or after that. We walked outside. Oh, we, we also, on the way out to Medford, we also looked at her, went to her workplace, and she showed me that whole, like, the flower shop, as she called it. I think it was her way of role-playing being heiress or something. But yeah. at, at one point, I walked around um, and went to some, like, a flower garden out there, and she had told me something along. I think this was probably the next day. Let, let, me, let, me, let me step back. So that night, my friend goes to sleep. We're tired. We're exhausted. I stay up with her. Um, in her room and we're talking and stuff and she's on the phone with uh the time it was renee she was calling like hojo and mm-hmm. they, they, this sort of a weird sort of thing about you know you're really vincent valentine you're really vincent valentine from this you know, other dimension or something like that and we're really bonded to these characters and all of this jazz 
I remember telling her, I don't believe any of that. Like, that all sounds really, cr- I'm, I'm tired. I'm like, I haven't slept in, you know, 38 hours. having you know, driven all the way here or being driven all the way here. That all sounds totally nuts to me. Oh. And she, so she just kind of like lost interest in me at that point. Like it was right from kind of that point. Like I'm no longer interested in this guy because he doesn't believe in my crazy, you know, soul bonding adventure is what they were calling it. And uh, so anyways. And prior to that, had you met Jack online or were you even aware of Jack before? Again, I, you guys call her Jack. I know she goes by that now or he, he goes by that now. But it was it was like she would play it off of me. Like, oh, I'm going to go talk to talk to Hojo now. I'm going to go talk to Hojo. I'm going, we used to talk all the time. Like, why are you talking to this other person? And uh, yeah. just kind of got on my nerves a little bit. I was like, well, this is what we used to do. Why are you? And then, you know, she would make me jealous about it. That was kind of like her thing. I think it was kind of about that point that she started not liking me as much. I think the, the charm offensive when I showed up was just the shock of me being there. For some reason in my mind, you know, later on, I kind of felt like she'd made up her mind that if he's not down with what we're doing, I'm going to, you know, tell him I'm interested. So, so yeah, they, they had already started to do that stuff. And, I was kind of, I think, on the way out. And so she had, it was the next, the next morning or something, we had this conversation outside, and she says that I'm not really into you that way. I was disappointed. And we had a pretty good day yeah. the day before. And I'd driven all the way out there and put a lot of effort into it. And I said, uh, okay, um, sure, and all this stuff. And and there was more playing off of this Hojo and all this other stuff. I just, I said, no, I just can't get behind that stuff. It just seems crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we, um, the rest of the trip there, the rest of that day was kind of, I don't know, I kind of just wanted to get out of there. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so it's like, well, this is, I mean, for me, it was like, this is pretty much over. And I'm super disappointed. I put all this effort into getting out here and probably pissed off my dad. He found out about it to show up and be sort of routed by somebody from another state that's pretending to be a man from a video game. So, you know, yeah. you know you're, you're tired. And I had been tired for a long time because we spent all those nights talking to each other. I think some of your sensibilities start to go out the window. You start to get like that tunnel vision. Oh, yeah, when you're when you're sleep deprived, it never fully left me. Like my, my logic is probably the most solid part of who I am, my personality. So I was probably never going to be a very ripe candidate for what she ended up being or doing. Um, I still occasionally call her afterwards though, mostly because I wanted to ask her mom. I want to talk to her mom more than I want to talk to her to go, what's, what's going on with her anyways? And that was, I think when she started keeping secrets from my mom about what she was doing. Her mom, oh, you know, she knew Hojo or whatever and then the conversations, but I was kind of cut out by that point. And uh, she still would occasionally, like, ask me to call and talk to her, so we would. And I, of course, wasn't quite over it, even once I had gotten home from my trip and everything. So I was still open to talking to her about it, hoping maybe she'd change her mind. Uh, but she didn't. And then eventually... We just didn't talk very much. I ended up calling her mom one day, or her mom called me. It was something weird. And 
that Jen had left. I said, well, okay, tell me a little bit more about what happened here. And, and uh, she says, well, you know, I, we wanted to make some money, so we invited someone to come and live with us. This person was a painter. And she, you know, talked to Jen about it, and then Jen got up and left to go to Pennsylvania. Jen had, like, also, she, I mean, I'll be honest, she was talking around this time, too, and was saying things like, you know, I'm going to leave and all this, and you should support me in my choices, and you should give me some money and all this. And I said, I'm not giving you any money. No, I'm not, not Did she tell you why she had to leave? Was it just for Jack, or was there other things she was trying to tell you? She never really vocalized that to me. She just wanted to go be with you know, her true love, Hojo, that this was Genova's true, you know, whatever. Like, she was, it was like she was living a fantasy. Yeah. And I was like, okay. and, uh, yeah, which is just really kind of odd. I don't know. Like, I think the best way to put it, it was just this. She was going to go be with her because that's who she wanted to be with. And this was really a guy that she loved him, and that's where she wanted to be. I said okay. Then she would tell me that I was her Vincent Valentine. I really didn't love her, and then I was blah 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 blah, and I wouldn't give her money to go see her, and that it was going to be five days across the country, and that Hojo had sent her enough money for the bus ticket and some food, and that's about it. I should, you know, give her some money too, or I should. I'm like, I'm not. I don't have any money. I'm a teenager. What do you expect? I'm like a Western Union use some money or something. So like five <laughs> days went by, and uh, I didn't hear anything about her. And then she eventually sent me a message online saying she'd made it. I was like, okay, good for you. Like getting over this now, and I'm ashamed of myself. So, anyways, I thought that did, that once. Did her mom know where she was going? No clue. Not a clue in the world. No, oh. I think she off one day. Yeah. Whew. I mean, it was like a great on bus or something. So I think I'm guessing either the painter took her there or she found some other means to make it over there. I'm not exactly sure how. And yeah, like you're 17 at the time. You guys have just broken up recently. Like, I can't imagine the state that you're in. And then she's still asking you for more. I, I mean, I was actually amazingly resilient at this point. There had been another girl online that uh, liked Final Fantasy VIII, and uh, I ended up being really mean to her, and that thing didn't end real well. But I had immediately heard her kind of like fall back to talk to, and she loved talking to me. So that entire summer, hmm. hey, you know, if you want to call and talk to me about this, I'll talk to you whenever you want. I like you and Lala. So that was actually reassuring to me. Like, I didn't have like a whole oh man, I'm really having problems with Jen over the summer kind of thing. I can't get over it. I got over it really fast. I had a job for the mm. summer. I, was, I wasn't doing that. I was talking to this other girl. That makes it easier. Yeah, it made it a lot easier for me to, to deal with that. The problem was is Jen didn't quit calling me. She had my parents' number, so she mm -hmm. would call. I'd get this thing, hey, you know, so-and-so's on the phone for you. And then I had to go take it outside. So I would be on the line or something. My cat went again. Anyways, I'd be out there on the lawn. <laughs> yeah, my I, I'm in the bottom, like in the room in my house, where like this, it's one of those like litter robots. Yeah. So every time they go, it makes like this mechanical sound, and cats. Whenever <laughs> I go to, the, I cut this all out, right? Like the cats, whenever they come in here, they just like. Whenever I'm in this room, they just continue to hover around me and wonder why I'm here. Anyway. <laughs> It's like, this is our poop room. Why are you here? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing here? Get out. Um, anyways, like, it was, so she would call me all the time, and like, it was weird. Like, the, the relationship from that point was 
really sort of, I don't know, abusive in a way. If it was anything like at this point, we we had no romantic affiliation. I think she kept trying to hook me or something, not knowing that I had kind of someone else to talk to and was more interested in someone that wasn't crazy. And uh, she would ask me like, "Hey, I found this thing on eBay, and I want you to buy it and send it to me. I found this like blue chocobo on eBay, and you should buy it and send it to me, or you should send me some money over here." Pennsylvania if you really love me and all this other stuff and she would like you know she'd use things that you told her about yourself against you in those conversations abusive kinds of things about you or your personality yeah ways to try to goad you into doing something for her and I would tell her you know I'd, I'm a hard logic kind of person I would say why would I do anything for you if you're going to say things to me like that and then it was like it was you know more more abusive behavior the whole um, I'm going to kill myself if you don't send me some money by the time that she started kind of getting on to that i just said do it i don't care anymore just go ahead and do it i'll listen to you i'm on the phone with you right now and then she'd put you know hojo on the line like i don't want to talk to you renee i don't know you i don't care about you you're the reason this whole thing started anyways oh she's like well she's really gonna kill herself and i said put 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 her on the phone next to her i'll listen to while she does it she's not gonna do it i don't believe any of that She's self-centered enough. And like and this happened more than one time. And it was embarrassing because my little brother knew about it. He'd like harass me and go, hey, Now prior on? to she moved, prior to her move, like did she ever talk about summer suicide? Not, when no. she was still living in Oregon? No. Not at all. No. no that was that was that was pure Pennsylvania there. I'm gonna put it that way. Um, hmm. So, anyways, I spent that lot of that summer again doing other things, working and being on the internet and helping my parents move houses. And so, I at that point though, I, I realized that, that you know, this, this girl's nuts, and so I need to sort of keep track of where she is. I don't want her showing up on my doorstep. She knows everything else about me. And I'm par- I'm 17. I'm paranoid. And so she, you know, started to have a very lively atmosphere there, and she was living off of. Um, an apartment off of uh, Walpolani Drive or something in State College. That's where she lived. Yeah. It was like, you know, Hojo's apartment. I remember reading, I forget how I found this out, but I decided to look up criminal records for the county. And then I, this is like months later, I found out they had been arrested for some sort of called domestic. Dis- the LARPing? It was a LARPing. Yeah. It was like, it was like a disturbing the peace. I think. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I kind of like, you know, the thing was, is like reading about her screwing up or failing to me was almost cathartic in a way. Because I really just didn't, I wasn't happy about the way things had gone. And so I, you know, I, I kept track of it. I would look at all of their like live journals and Zangas and all those names and cross-reference them all the way through. And she had like the two of them, they had this like weird web of back and forth and all this. And then occasionally I'd still get a message from her, which was really weird. We, you know, she'd send me messages occasionally asking me for stuff and telling me what's going on. And at one point she said, uh, Hojo's parents have, are helping to buy a house. And so we're going to have a house here now. I said, okay. And so I, we didn't have pretty much any conversations really like, until much later after that, like, we're going to get this house. And I said, whatever, whatever. And it was pretty easy for me to figure out which house it was after a little while I could do it. 
porches and things. It was this one was off, I believe it was Lynn Street. So mm-hmm. I so I just kind of watched it from afar. I looked at all of their online stuff. I watched people get affiliated. They had this like hojo.org website they would post on and it was like there was several people's names that come to mind. Like obviously it was her, Hojo, Pat, I think, EK and a few others would write like these I call them goofy fan fictions that have no of not consistent with any of the storylines just in their heads. And I'm not a big like fan fiction kind of guy, so Yeah. Anyways, I, I followed that for a while to figure out what was going on there and that was pretty much it. Um other than like continue, every now and then I go back and look it up and see what they were up to. That's pretty much it up until there was a time when someone that had been uh, affiliated with that house had put up a website, Demon Sushi. I know you guys have been yeah. in Was that Zach's webpage? Yeah, Zach. We call him Chris, but yeah, either way. Zach, the one who wrote up Demon Sushi. That's funny. I still have the email from that. Like They were going by there. It was, like a Yahoo, it was on my Yahoo account because I didn't want anyone to know that I was affiliated with it. And I wrote to them and said, hey, I'm the Nate. I knew her, blah, blah. And then I went up on that website. They said I never got a hold of them again, which was a total lie. I don't know why they didn't reach out to me, and I haven't asked Zach about it. Hey, why'd you quit talking to me? Because I have Zach's like original, like you know, name that Zach was using back at the time, and all the stuff on this email. So it's really kind of weird, like that Yahoo saved emails for 19 years or whatever. Um, yeah, and you may have just got lost in the shuffle because I know he was getting a ton of messages from people as soon as the well, website went up. Right, and there was a lot of other people that had abuse stories, I think, that were more compelling than anything I had to say. And to be fair, I didn't, I wouldn't say I was really a victim of any of this. I just, it was just kind of like, seemed like a a bad internet breakup, is the way that I put it. Like, the stuff that she did afterwards was, I just thought, you're just in a really terrible state where you're at, and you've got no money, talents, or resources, and you're just trying to scam off of me because you have my phone number, and you think you can bother me into giving you money. It's never going to happen. Like, I, I work hard for this. I'm at Burger King, you know, 35 hours, 40 hours a week in burgers while you're, like, screwing around yeah. all the time. I was like, I'm not giving you any money. Anyways, I... How did you find out about Demon Sushi? How did you find out about what? I find out about Demon Sushi. I, I think I looked her up online once under, like, the name, like, just looking up Jen Cornette. There's like quite a, there's like you know four or five people that are more popular than her with the name Jen Cornette, and I, and I think that's how that came up in searches. I would just once in a while saying like, hey, I wonder what kind of trouble she got into now. I read about that website <laughs> and was like, oh, you know, this isn't. I can't believe that they trashed this house. They made it seem like back and it was a really nice house. That's I mean, and I had followed Mila's sort of her, her live journals and stuff too, and all the stuff they made her do about you know, making her go be a stripper and all of that mm-hmm. i i was like wow like she's really kind of been a head trip all these people and so like for me like reading all of their stories jen to me was always just kind of like a really screwed up person i didn't realize she was going to go and abuse people take advantage of them and bilk them for money i mean she did, she couldn't get it out of me and i used to think okay well i'm not that special why would anybody else be that influenced by someone that really doesn't have anything to be convinced about like she's not all these people talk about all these things that, oh, she's really personal. She must be really persuasive or she's a cult leader. I said, I never found her to be that talented in anything other than 
interesting a guy to talk on her phone all night long for a while. But, you know, she had to put some skin in the game with me and time and effort and things. And she used to send me mail, you know, love letters and, and that kind of stuff. And she put a lot of time into it. One of them, I can't find it. And I shuffled it somewhere to my parents' library. I put it, I wanted to hide it. So I put it like in a book somewhere. It was like she had, when she was in Oregon, she wrote me this, it was like tea stained and everything. It looked like an old letter out of a trunk, you know, written in fancy calligraphy pen or whatever, fountain pen. She had like dolled it all up and everything. And it looked pretty nice. Um, she sent me a card on my birthday, which I think I've given you guys a copy of that once. Um, she sent yeah. me some. So it's like, I don't know, like to, to hear her go and do all of these things, it was more surprising to me that anybody would let her get that far. Because I, I mean, I, I guess I'm different and I think my circumstances were different. And a lot of people, when they got involved, were probably looking for more of a sense of belonging and maybe they weren't, didn't have the family support maybe that I had in the same way, or at least the family shame, I think is what it was probably more for me. It was my family. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't like throw it all out there to be with somebody like that. My family, like in my own head and then both from the kind of things they would say about me, like it's, it's not, we have to be proud of the things we do. That was not something that I could be proud of. Yeah. It always resonated with me. It's like, look, all of this is done in secret. All things are really weird. There's no way any of this could come to light and for you to like still stay face in the family publicly. So you know, like, like you always knew it was going to end. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't going to stop. So at that point, like just kind of following her online and things. The, the last time, the last couple of times I really talked to her, I believe these are two separate occasions. One of it was when her grandmother died and her grandmother's name is Constance. You can still find her obituary online. Um, and I saw that there was a funeral home. Um, I said, okay. Also knew that I was like wondering like, well, is she going to go to this? Uh, and I don't somehow I, I you know went on I've, I don't know how I think the reason I even looked up her grandmother was because she had written a journal entry or someone had written a journal entry I think it was uh, Angelique maybe had written something about yeah. it and they were headed across country so I was going like well why would she do that and I'm like oh because her grandmother died and back when we used to talk her mom would always say she's not going to get anything because her mother didn't like Mona, you know, Jen's mom. And so she was written out of the will. Mm -hmm. Or not, I don't know. I know that family still has a lot of money. I know it's like held up in trusts. It's not really hard to figure out who her family members are. They're all out there. Her dad lives, you know, not too far, like within a couple hours of her mom. Somewhere near like I don't want to say it on here, but you could look it up and find it. But anyways, so I called the funeral home and I left a message and said, hey, do you mind uh Pass a message along to Jen for me when she gets there. They did. And Jen, you know, got a hold of me at one point and was like, she wouldn't admit it was her. It's like, well, what, who, who would get a hold of me if, in response to a message, if it wasn't actually her? She was really kind of covert about who she was. And this was back in, I think, 2004 or five. It was just the weirdest kind of conversation. But I asked her, we had a lot of these questions and things. And, I, and, and so we, we talked, she had a different, she was using the AIM name. I think it was uh, something Angel Uriel, something like that. Bright Angel Uriel. So we talked a little bit about Angel Uriel. That was the, yeah. Angel Uriel was Angel, but she had Clark Uriel at the time. They all had Angel names for a while there. And I think these were two separate conversations. So initially, one was I just said hi and hey, I'm still out there, and you know, sorry about your grandmother, blah blah. Mostly meet me, just letting her know that I still got tabs on you. I know where you are. Please leave me alone. Then later on in time, I think I sent her a message of the same thing, and this time she was in Arizona living there. 
we talked for a while. And what I wanted to say to, I said to her was that at this point, I had a little more perspective. Like I was in my first job out of college and I graduated and I felt successful and independent. I said, are you still doing the same things you used to do? Like I read about all that stuff on Demon Sue. She read all these things you were doing. Are you still doing this stuff? And she's like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I have a real job. I'm like a waitress somewhere waiting tables. I'm, I'm trying to be on the straight and narrow. I said, good. I said, because, you know, I, I told her, like, I'm in my first job after college and I'm really well here and I have a car and a place of my own and all these kinds of things. And I just like to know that people in my life are doing well. And she was like, yep, I'm doing well and trying to live a good life and not be a mean person. And I th- it was just the weird, weirdest. This is the last conversation we had. Just a weird, weird conversation with her. And I said, uh, I was talking to somebody else kind of at the same time. And this is all over instant messenger, by the way. We weren't talking on the phone for this. Uh, I mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, I, I got a friend that, that we both know, a guy that used to be in our role-playing group from, was living in like the Tempe area. And I said, and I said to him, like, hey, you want to go meet up with her? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's nuts. I'd, li- I'd love to meet her. So I said, <laughs> okay. His name was, I, I shouldn't give away his name without permission either. I should ask him before I do anything. So I won't say who his name is, but he was somebody else from the Eyes on Final Fantasy community. And he said, I'll meet her. And so he says, so he gives me a message like the next day and goes, you won't believe like how this went down. Like, so she says, let's meet up at like three o'clock in the morning at a diner somewhere. She shows up in like wizard robes, wizard robes, kind of smelly, like perfumed up like a staff. And she's got like you know, these people around her and everything. And he goes, it was just insane. Absolutely insane. And I just kind of like, okay. And so we, for a few minutes and that was the end of that and that's like the last anything i know uh, about any of that until the point when i go online to look up stuff and i see that uh, i don't know what her real name is either monica or eve or whatever her name is started posting under a, like a handle of like ms misanthropist or something but she was trying to like say i think this is jen so i sent her a message and i was like well what do you have and she's like, well, this is what she did. And this is, you know, her, she was running this and blah, blah, Freddie Lowndes and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, but I've got some recordings of her voice. She says, from when we talked. And she goes, if, can you identify her from these voices? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I don't, it's, it wasn't about like that. I remember every pitch, everything. She has a certain cadence, the way she talks. And she's kind of animated too, especially with some of the role playing we did. Real animated. And I, I listened to it. <laughs> Unmistakable. That's her. Like, absolutely. That's her. And she was like, okay. And that's kind of where like that whole thing started. And we, you know, we talked back and forth about different things that she believed in me and Monica. And she shared some of the information she had with me. I know some of that's kind of disputed um, at times and people have had their issues with her, but we've always been very cordial about it. Mostly because I, I wouldn't have made that connection. I don't watch Hannibal. It's not my kind of television. Um, but What was funny is like the behaviors that she showed were very similar to the kind of behaviors that Jen is known to pull. She's got very distinct tendencies that she can't break, which is there's a lot of her own personality that permeate every single role playing thing she does. So every time that I was reading about something or a fanfic or whatever else she was doing, I could tell when it was her because she doesn't let it go. There's like family names that are important to her that get weaved into them or uh, an aspect of a fantasy that we had talked about in a particular way that she expressed it, that she would express it again. Like she does this. She's very much the same person in that way. 
And then, and, and the thing is, I, I hear these perspectives. She would talk about like who her dad was, or I think her dad's like an accountant, something like that. Um, and because she would like, she tried to tell people, "Oh, my dad's a professor, or my dad's a mad scientist." Like, no way, no way. Like, none of that stuff's true. Like, and your mom like cleaned houses, and she probably still does. Uh, I was gonna say, when your last conversation with her, when you taught that, when when you confronted her with the demon sushi stuff, how did she respond? Did she try to deny it to you, or? It wasn't a full-fledged denial. I wish I still had that conversation and I've looked for it in my... I don't have any message logs of of that. But it wasn't... I think it, her tenor of it was mostly... It's not 100% true. That's her way of saying it. Like, hmm. but We know is a lie. She lies well, easily. Like drinking water, she lies. It's just part of what she does. <laughs> And so, like, when the thing is, is like she couldn't lie to me because I, I, I think I still knew her pretty well. But not only that, things that, that people said or whatever, she just isn't. She, she couldn't persuade me that she hadn't like. And there's no one like other story about it. She wouldn't tell me anything more about it. I was just saying, like, the the stories that she's told other people about where she came from and she, everything just sounds so preposterous. But it's interesting because like, so there are some elements of truth in it. I don't even know if she's told anyone she's from California or where she was at in California or where she grew up. I know she's masked completely like her family history, uh, where, you know, what her dad was or what her mom was or their family fortune or whatever. Or that she, I think she said she's entitled to some money or she's going to be rich someday or whatever it is. And that's not true. She's got a lot of cousins. I live up in Oregon. Yeah, she told people she's from California in Pennsylvania, and she was out in Pennsylvania, but yeah. she never told anyone that she was Oregon. Which is the weird one to me. <laughs> really? See, her mom still lives yeah. in Oregon. I, I, last conversation we had, me and Mona, this was after Jen had already left to Pennsylvania. I just called like, out of morbid curiosity to see how she was doing. And she was like, Wait, I'm washing my hands of this. Like, I'm moving again. I'm moving to another place. Um, I just don't want to be bothered by anybody. You know, I've had a really hard life. And I said, I understand. And um, that was it. I mean, she was as old as my mom. So I, you know, I'd, I wanted to respect her wishes. And uh, she did kind of tell me where she was moving to. And it's not hard to find. I mean, if you wanted to, she's out there. But it's another very, very remote place. But yeah, it was like, um, I, I would expect that Jen has been out there again. But I don't think that she's still there. Not, in, not with her mom, at least. I think she's probably visited. Don't turn your back on your kids. Yeah, she's definitely made up the West Coast like a couple of times prior to moving out there. Because um, I know she took Jack to um, Disneyland once. And I think of the three of them once, Angela, uh, Angela, Jack, and her. She's been out in the general area, so I'm sure she stopped and saw her mom on the way. I mean, you'd have to really be by the way, and we're talking, we're talking like, what's the county there? Is it Jacksonville County, Oregon? Yeah. Yeah. That's not, you need to, you'd have to make an intentional trip to get out there. It's not like something that's just kind of off the road. Let's stop in. It's, uh, but the thing is, is that, I, and people, I, I, the question I get the most is, Nate, where do you think she is? And I, I think I've shared with you guys that I still believe she's probably close to her parents. And I say that because she doesn't have any mm-hmm. skills other than labor. She could probably work fast food. 
or service job of some kind and you know make make away of it and i would hope that she does but it would probably be more likely that she is in one way or another being at least in a limited sense being supported by family yeah that makes sense to me Um, so when you found the Hannibal stuff, that must have been quite the shock for you. So, I mean, you, you get a, my life fast forwarded by that point. I'm married and I have kids. Well, I didn't have kids yet. I was married by that point. My wife was like, why are you, why do you pay attention to this stuff? And I said, you have to understand. I told her like, well, you know, I, I, you, all these weird stories. And she doesn't care about any of it. She thinks it's weird. And, and she'd probably prefer the <laughs> less. So like, like, like I told her like, it's really not that important. And I just kind of stay up to date with it because it's, I have a similar fascination now to some of the stuff that goes on. And so that's why I stick around. Also, because if like she were to show her face somewhere, I believe that there may still be tendencies about her or things that she would say where I could maybe help identify her. There's just little things like you, that, that always come up until someone asks you a question about it. Someone says, Nate, what did she look like? Did she have this? Did she ever mention this? And I'll say yes, no. Or like, I remember most of it. It just doesn't, it's not like I spontaneously remember it and tell people. It's something that has to be triggered in me. Oh, hey, do you remember this conversation? Yeah. Um, and we talked about her family. We talked about her cousins and her aunts and uncles and all the different people in the family and where they all were. And you know, at the time, all of it was very, very consistent. And it was, I think it was really hard for me to build an argument to anyone that, like, my story was true. I think there were plenty of people that believed it from the start. Nobody really believed it until I produced, like, photos that nobody had seen and, like, a card that she had sent me and all this, you know, it was up to that point. Like, when you talk about like so I go back to finding her in the Hannibal fandom, it didn't surprise me. It just it shocked me that she was still able to do this with people. That other people would like buy in and let her do it. Like the fact that she had like such buy in from the, the Hannibal creators and like Brian Fuller and all those people. I was like, wow, she really hoodwinked all of those people at that level. They just really hard up for press and like fanatics to push their show or something, because people with a little bit of like logic and reason would probably have said, maybe we shouldn't get in bed with these nutballs. We should let them, you know, have their own fan community and do what they want to do there, but don't endorse it. I mean, cause most groups don't, they think that they always keep their fans at arm's length. It was probably their mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of stuff was like, I said, it was, it was corroborated by, uh, by Monica's sources and stuff. Like it was, she told me like this, all these crazy stories about all the things that they had done and, really struck me the most is like how much effort Jen pays into making sure that not Jen. She does not want to be Jen publicly. She wants to be anybody else under yeah. her name. You know, that she talked about how there was a place and that she was it's like, so I heard one thing that she told me in like the last conversation we had is that she was headed to Illinois. This is like in 2006. So I, I was like, I don't Illinois. Like I've got family around there. Like I don't want her near my family. So I still kept tabs on her. So when I heard from Monica that like there was a PO box there and she shared some information, asked me if I could find anything. I'll, let me put it to you this way. Like between the time that Jen and I quit talking and my current career, I had spent some time working as like a skip tracer. So like being able to like track people down is kind of a second nature skill. Cause we had to like hunt people down and make them pay their bills. Jen amongst all people I've ever tracked down is amazing at hiding her tracks. She just does not want to have a public record. She's not like completely like, she's not a total complete pro at it, but 
I think she knows how to get other people to sign for her for stuff. Like if I'm going to sign on an apartment or something, she'll get someone else to take it on just to keep it out of the public record. She does anything she can other than a legit, legitimate lifestyle. And it shows in the public record. Like she's just very difficult to find. I'm not surprised that people wouldn't run into her or that they've, you know, her followers give her, you know, a bin Laden level of protection. It's like, we'll drive you around for an hour in Lake County, Illinois, until we finally take you to this house out in the middle of nowhere. Meet this, you know, sage oracle here in the forest. You know, that it's it's kooky at this point. It's really, really kooky. Yeah. You guys have any other weird questions about him? I'm, I'll answer anything if you have any, you want to know, like, personal aspects. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Um, if you had the opportunity to talk to her again, would Yeah. Talk to her again. I think that the best thing you can do if you... I wouldn't say it's revenge, but the, I would take... I would like to see how she's doing as far as just to say... Just out of morbid curiosity, really. Not because I care. Just because I'd like to know what she's up to these days. Like, why are you... You know, have you, have you really cleaned up? Are you going to lie to me again? I feel like amongst everybody else, like she was lying all the way through her time in Pennsylvania. She probably even lied to, you know, to Jack about things about her life. Problem is that she could never lie to me because I knew her real. I knew the real Jen, her real history and the places she grew up and the things that she did and the things she preferred. And like, I, I heard about the little girl, Jen. I heard about the, you know, uh, the, you know, the 10-year-old Jen, like all of the different things, her fantasies and her desires and all these kind of stuff. And so like talking to her, I think I can still talk to her as a person. I wouldn't turn it down. If she wanted to get a hold of me and like talk for an hour, that's fine. I'm not going to tell her where I live. I'm not going to tell her where I live. <laughs> so this isn't the first time you've kind of talked about your story. You've, done, you've talked a little bit about it on the Reddit before. Do you think she knows that you've talked about her? 100%. I have no doubt she knows that. Um, I don't think that she hasn't gone online to read about herself. I know people have different opinions of whether or not she, oh, she's mad crazy, and she won't, she reads about herself. Everybody reads about themselves. She's got a, a particular vanity to her. Or she likes being important. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of because, honestly, in her life, she's not. She's a deeply insecure, unimportant person the lack of empathy for other human beings. And so she would love to read something positive about her. It just isn't going to be written that way. And so I guess in the, in the meantime, she can be notorious. I don't think that she's going to suddenly come out and apologize to everybody for what she did. I think she's just going to keep okay. taking advantage at whatever level. Do you think there's anything that would stop her? Like something that would finally break the pattern? I've always believed that she would reach an age where the kind of things that she did were no longer possible. A lot of the things that she does and the kind of people that she attracts, you need to be almost in that age cohort to convince them. It's like a, it's an, um, I grew out of my fantasies. You know, I had to hit the, the real world wall. Like you've got real world, world goals and you start to lose some of your creativity. It almost takes like an unencumbered mind and personality to continue living like that. So even if even if that is still her, I think that at this point she's not going to be able to convince other people to do that stuff with her. And um, or if she is, very few of them exist. So she's going to either have to, out of the survival aspect, need to 
live a legitimate life in some form, even if it means like public assistance. Honestly, that's fine. I would rather that she do that. She legitimizes her life at least a little bit and lives on the straight and narrow and tries to make something of what's left of her life because it's... She never got her GED, as far as I know. She wasn't even working on it when we were talking back when she... She had talked about it when she was, you know, 18 years old, saying, well, I never finished high school, so I need to go do this. She didn't graduate from Cross Creek like Mila did. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I, would, I would celebrate that because maybe, maybe she could do some good with her life if she did. I think that'd be a pretty big sign if she got her GED that things might might be changing. But she'd have to use her real name probably, or at least make up a name or have some sort of paper trail. And I think she thinks that there. I don't. I don't honestly think anybody that's out there, just even despite what she has done, is probably actively looking for her. I, like people have said, oh, is she being prosecuted? For, I don't think that's anything's running right now. No. Could mm -hmm. Easily do whatever she wants. Um. Yeah, and she never was, like, charged for anything. She was never taken to court. Like, there are things that people could have taken her to court for, but they didn't. And it, like, catches the limitations as long over in sure. so many states. Right. Um, and, and it just isn't something that I think people would waste prosecutorial resources on. Um, not for something like that. doesn't matter how yeah. notorious you are on the internet. <laughs> yeah, your internet status is, doesn't matter in court. I said, I, I, you guys know I'm around. Like, if there's ever any questions you guys have or follow up, like, absolutely, like, get a hold of me. I just, um, I think at this point, my story has been told many times. I said I talked to the guy from Vice, but uh, he was he was in the city I was in at the time, and he got the story totally wrong. He changed all the names, and it seemed like nobody really cared to hear what I had to say about any of it. Everybody wanted like the freak show, and um, I mean, she's still a person, just not a very upstanding one. Yeah, both Iker and Theo said the share the same sentiments about the Vice, <laughs> just because they he yeah completely changed their stories too. Frightened for money. I love Vice. I just didn't love that article. And I so the the person that got me in touch with him was another one of the people that was a, he was actually younger than me, and he was the person that talked to Jen before I did. He went by the name Ru oh online in the chat rooms, and he got jealous, and Jen started talking to me. Because he didn't have any of the resources I had to do anything, to call her every night and talk to her. And eventually he just kind of came to the conclusion of like, well, what? You know, Nate's not a bad guy. So we talked. So he's the one that got a hold of me in the chat and wants to go, hey, this guy from Vice wants to talk to somebody that knows stuff about this. And I only could tell him what I knew. Why don't you talk to him? And I was like, okay. Did it all anonymously. Like I didn't want him tracking me down or having my name because you never can trust the press to throw your name out out there and drag you through it all. Yeah, and you guys seen I posted like there's like For something sure. awful post you talking about like the, the Sarah saga and all of that. Like I posted there originally to see if someone would want to hear what I had to say, and then I posted again. I said there was Demon Sushi, the Sarah saga. There was the Reddit. Um, you know that was the most recent that kind of got in contact with you guys. But I have, I mean, I, I unless there's a specific question, I don't think that there's much more I have to offer the community about anything other than. Yeah, it's like, you know, I make good money now and uh, I don't need, and I, I'm, I'm happily married and, you know, I have my kids and cats and, and everything is good. There's no reason to keep pursuing, you know, 22 year old demons other than to entertain people that want to come and learn more about it. Or, cause I mean, you think it's a question that, you know, people ask like the salacious stuff, like, hey, you know, did your, your conversations ever turn you know, a little 
little adult and I'll be like, absolutely they did. We're talking about a couple of teenagers here. This is what they want to do. Especially if yeah. we're, <laughs> she was 18, I was 16 and I was, you know, in the prime of my, uh, you know, whatever. So it was, you know, we talked about that stuff, but we talked about other stuff too. And I, it wasn't always just that all that was, she definitely had, people ask me that question, like, do you think she's, you know, she, she part is she she lesbian or anything like that? Is she you know bisexual? And I go, I can tell you that back in those days, until she started talking to you know Hojo, I had no idea that she would be any of those things. She seemed very interested in men. She'd had a boyfriend before that in California that she'd gotten into trouble with. So unless she was playing him crazy, uh, I think that she clearly had an attraction to men, at least to some extent. Whether that's expanded on, whether she's pants, I don't know. I don't think she's part of the trans community, although she seems to prey on the trans community frequently. Just very upsetting to me. Easy place to find vulnerable people. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about people that are really, truly looking for you know, acceptance in their world. And if you have someone, maybe not the best intentions, but as someone that gives you that validation, which she does, she can do that really, really well. She can be very, very charming. I mean, she did the same thing for me. She validated that, oh, I'm a guy and I want to be appreciated and liked and loved and everything. And she can do that for anybody. Um, so I don't think that that's something that you lose with age either. So she probably still is doing that. And I think for her, it was, yeah. she played a lot of Final Fantasy. Back in like, so you think like 97, she would have been like 15, 14, 15 years old. She really strongly attached herself to that game emotionally. She, you know, it was, it was weird. Like in that house, like she had a PlayStation in her room. She, you know, was really, she knew every aspect of that game. And it was so odd to me that given everything else about her, that that is what she, like, focused on. But I think, she, depending on how that relationship with her parents was or any abuse that she may or may not have suffered or viewed or whatever, I think that's just what she retreated into. It's where she's comfortable. I've always thought it would be, like, a cathartic, Finally finished Final Fantasy Seven. I just can't do it. One day, maybe. One day, yeah. It's, it, now it's just mostly just time. There's no way I'm going to burn out a 40-hour RPG. It's hounding me for... <laughs> and it's like, okay, it, it's not that. It's not an... Fair. Anymore. I know what it ends. Come on. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, Nathan, do you have any questions? Not for me. It said, yeah, it said, it's not as interesting as like, I know some of the people had some really crazy stuff about like what happened in that house and um, mine's somewhat more limited, but we, you know, there was, there was, I think it was five, five or six months of like constant conversations. And yeah, I think it's important though, to talk about that though as well. Cause you know, people tend to demonize her a lot, but she came from somewhere. She was a person. She still is a person underneath it all, obviously, but you know, to understand where she yeah, came from will help us a lot more understand her. And it's also kind of refreshing to have some sort of, even like a little bit of normalcy when discussing someone, right? Like, there's there's always a basis of where a person starts, and and that's not always some insane place, right? So, and I guess biggest problem i had with all of it was it like did i ever really get close to turning her away from any of this stuff 
know, was she ever, could she ever have been like a decent, productive member of society or was, was I just dreaming and hoping and, and white knighting the entire time when I was 16? Or did, I mean, because her mom thought I was close. Her mom thought like, you know, she wants to do better things because you talked to her. I believed it. You know, I think like, I'm sure you were a good influencer at the time, but I think the underlying behaviors and the things that she was seeking out, and like you said, a lot of people replicate the trauma that they've endured, right? So it's a lot of the stuff that she experienced at Cross Creek, you know, I think she kind of thought out places and experiences that she could express that. She was, she was kind of always seeking that extra edge, I think. And I think that's how she wound up where she is, is just because normal is boring is to her. She likes the the drama. That's like one of the best pieces of advice someone ever gave me, as they said. It was like two pieces of advice. They said one of it was deal with person or you don't. Meaning like if you if someone like treats you terribly, you just continue to cope with it. If you don't want to, you just quit. That's it. The other one that says is they go, you know, once you've had an exciting life, never settle down again. You always crave craziness and weirdness because a good stable life is going to be boring. And so you either come to peace with that or you don't. Those are things yeah. that I think people are either dealing with her or that she herself has internalized. Because I don't, you guys keep talking about it, about Cross Creek being like the genesis of a lot of her craziness. I don't think that at all. I think she had so many problems before that point, And she developed like ways to get around her, the bad in the life around her by falling into fantasies. And, that, and she never stopped doing that. And to this day, she still hasn't stopped doing that. And she doesn't want to be conventional. She likes the craziness of all of it. I'm sure she's fallen on some hard times between when I talked to her and now. I don't. There's no way she couldn't. She's pissed off so many people, taken advantage of so many people. At some point, like the love you have for someone, doesn't matter what it is, isn't enough. And they just go like, "I've had it. You're done. We're, we're walking away from you." And I've, I mean, I've heard that already from people, or at least secondhand. I've done that with her. Mm -hmm. So at some point, she's going to run out of people. That's why I keep telling her I think she's going back to her family. Because those people never run out of love for you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, an, it's also a good kind of explanation as why she's so attracted to poly polydynamics, right? Because then if one person leaves, you still have other people. Okay. And she's always working on can I can say I like this person better than you right now to get you to do things that she wants you to do. That too. Yeah, like I, I again, I think my it, not that I, I, I would never have left my family to go be with her or to drive off. I would never have gone to Pennsylvania. Never would have like done any of the things she asked me to do because it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, but I know other people that would have. I think that if you had, to, yeah, yeah. I, I think me being different. And a lot, of, I think a lot of people you guys have talked to. I think we're in desperate mental straits. They were really, really just people. Oh looking for something and this was like any anywhere is good when you're feeling bad anything's better than what you have that wasn't my scenario sure. like my life yeah i would have been heartbroken for a while and again i had to say people to fall back on like that girl i hurt her really badly later but life <laughs> yeah you poor If you had the opportunity to speak with somebody who is stuck with her right now, what would you tell them? Ooh, I think I know who you're talking about. 
I would tell them that it's never too late to get back to what is comfortable to you. I mean by that is like there's and, and, and knowing if you, if I were talking about the same person, like knowing where she comes from and all of this, I think that there's a I, I happen to know those communities really well. If we're talking about that. And I know that it can be very supportive despite some of their more conservative leanings conservative-esque religious kind of mm-hmm. like you can always go home always even jen knows that you can always go home i don't think that i mean maybe at this point they have but like jen's parents probably would always have a room for her and so would anyone that's with her is like look there you're never to so point you don't have someone to go and like you're, you have friends that care about you you've got family that cares about you and they're probably just waiting for that call from you do whatever it takes to get you back where you can be ever- for sure because um, they all know and i'm sure in her own heart knows that this is not a good scenario for you. Like that was what got me out of it too. Is that, and I mean, I mean, other than her kind of turning on me a little bit is like, look, this isn't, this isn't like, there's no future in this. This isn't closer. This isn't aligned with the goals in life you wanted to have. So how many years are you going to waste on this? How much more time are you going to waste on this before you realize that and turn away? And like, I had worse relation, worse relationships than that later on in my life. It took me, I, I didn't even learn from like the Jen thing as well to know sometimes you just have to quit on people. So, like, a really hard lesson you need to mm-hmm. quit on people that aren't good for you. And uh, you need to be, so, and, and you know, that gives you a chance to rebuild and be the you that someone can be. If, if, if what you're looking for is love, someone that you can be attracted to. So that's what I would tell that person is like, look, there are better people in life associated with than this. I mean, I'm, more power to you. If this is what you want, you're an adult, you can do what you want to do. I think you can do better. And I think most people think you can do better. And all your friends and family know you can do better. Um, leave this person. <laughs> Go do something else. And you deserve better. Yeah. Sure. We're talking. Well, I think it's a great send up. Yeah. So, if you guys ever have any more questions about, like, if there's like a particular factoid that comes up or anything, or if you want to know more about what I know about her, the rest of her family or anything, um, let me know. Like you said, I, I, a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff I researched. In my spare time, it was just so that I knew it in case something came up. And so, like, not that she associates with her family much, not that at least her blood family, but like a lot of that was helpful background information, at least knowing kind of how she tends to act or whatever. I half thought, like, a long time ago, just picking the phone, like, calling her dad. Can't get a hold of her mom. Her mom doesn't want to get a hold of. She may not even have a phone. But you know, her parents are both alive. Not that they, I mean, I, again, I don't. I'm not jumping back into this pool again. I'm years removed. I'll leave that for someone with more motivation. Like I said, thanks again so much for coming on and telling your story. If anyone has any questions for Nate, uh, definitely feel free to shoot us an email or a message. There's a contact form on our website, and we'll be sure to pass them on. All right. Well, you guys have a good evening. In touch. You too. You too. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week. Thanks again, Nate, for coming on the show and sharing your story. Next week, we bring you those lady pirates that we promised. 
As always, pitchers, and additional information can be found on our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Human Exception. Have a story you want us to cover, want to tell us that we're wrong, or you just want to say hi, you can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And to get on the fun, you can join us on our Discord server. Link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. Mm-hmm.